What's up, NBA fans? We're roughly around 21 to 22 games into the NBA season, and it's a weird one so far. I gotta say, gotta admit, I didn't think I'd see the Lakers at the number one seed right now. But then on the other note, Giannis is dominating as usual as anybody could have easily predicted. Toronto Raptors, though, are in the top three in the Eastern Conference right now. Didn't see that coming. But to start this podcast off, and it has been a couple weeks since our last episode, so apologies to that. We kind of had a couple things get in the way, the holidays, sickness here and there. But anyways, let's get things started here, Sean, and let's start off with the Lakers with this trivia question here. When was the last time the Lakers started with more than 17 wins? And the big hint here is it wasn't the 2015-2016 season. Why? Because that year they only <laughs> finished with 17 wins. Oh, yeah. See, that's where I thought you were going with this question because it was like, oh, yeah, like they already surpassed their win total from the Jordan Clarkson-led team. <laughs> Ryan Kelly, Robert Zachary, uh, who else was on that squad? A young uh, Larry Tariq Nance. Tariq Black. <laughs> Tariq Black. Yes. <laughs> Ryan Kelly. Yes, Ryan Kelly. <laughs> uh, and a whole string of... Oh, Kendall Marsh. Was that his name? Kendall Marsh. Uh, Weren't you on the team? <laughs> I could have been, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When when had they last started with more than 17 wins? Ooh, that's an interesting one. I, I'm going to... Mm, I'm going to go 2010 when they got Pau Gasol. Close, close. So it was actually the 2008-2009 season. Oh, okay. The Lakers, Bynum, Lamar Odom, Pau Gasol... That was the year they started. The last time this team started at seventeen and two through the through through their first nineteen games. Wow! Um, so it's almost close to an entire decade. That's crazy. Yeah, I think actually it has been. Oh, it's yeah. been over a decade mm-hmm. since then. So yeah, I, th- I mean they they went through the worst. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, got their way back here, and man, yeah, I think you said it right. I'm I'm impressed with how the Lakers are doing, even though it's kind of weird to say because. You have a team with Anthony Davis and LeBron James on it. You expect them to do well. But uh, we've seen teams like this in the past. Uh, the LeBron James-led Miami Heat, mm-hmm. um, when they when he first got there, they only started the season 500 through the first 20 games. Right. Um, sometimes these things take a while to gel, but it seems like this team is just really well-constructed. Frank Vogel's actually been a pretty good coach. Um, yeah. Really behind the scenes, obviously, but just doing his job well everyone's doing their job well and man the lakers are atop the west basically atop the entire nba right now outside of the milwaukee bucks right there with them then mm-hmm. yeah the only team that can stop them is the clippers <laughs> yeah we'll see yeah they got that good win against the denver nuggets they got that win against utah tonight people were saying that these two games are going to be a real testament to see who the lakers really are and they kind of got those w's pretty handedly and of course both right. those games were on the road and the Lakers team, I mean, the last couple ten, the last the last decade, really, this Lakers team was a notoriously bad road team. And even as a franchise, they don't really win in Denver very often. For so to take that win, is, I think it's very notable. Oh yeah, Denver's a super hard team, especially as mile high. Like yeah. elevation, obviously, plays a factor, and Denver's used to it. Um, and the, I mean, Denver and Utah, these are two teams, Alan, that we had picked out at the beginning of the year. Like, these are the teams that have consistency on their roster. Like, they didn't have this changeover, so they're going to be the teams to look out for in the regular season. Right. And we had both of them be finishing in the top three, uh, which which obviously could still happen, and Denver's having a great regular season so far outside of Jokic's struggles yeah. himself. But the Lakers just went into their home and just wrecked it. 
it was a close game for a lot of it, but uh, when f- push came to shove, at the end of the game, the Lakers just took command. Yeah, it, it was an impressive win for sure. And yeah, to that point, I I saw the Denver Nuggets just being this regular season juggernaut team, and they're still there, but I definitely did not see that coming from the Lakers. Um, I mean, if I, it was even a real debate whether or not the Lakers would actually be the best team out of L.A., and right now they have a two- or three-game lead over the Clippers so far. Uh, so the fact for them to be at this spot this early into the year, I'm very impressed. Yeah, how, how do you feel right now? Are you just are you running on clouds right now, man? I almost don't think it's real. Like I almost feel <laughs> like it's just a big joke. Like there's something not right. Like either we're, we're either I'm gonna look at the schedule and realize that we've only been playing the Phoenix Suns and the Sacramento Kings over and over again in a loop. Hey, the Phoenix Suns are respectable now. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, and we can get into this a little bit further on in the podcast. That's a talking point here for us is whether or not this Lakers streak that they're on is is real and if there's real substance behind it, which I think at this point there is, but we can talk about that later because there are whispers mm-hmm. that, you know, this is all just an easy result of, of, a, of an easy schedule. But... Before we talk about that, we have to talk about Carmelo Anthony and his <laughs> resurgence oh. into the league, if you want to call it that, and sort of the debate yep. that's been going on the last couple of days. Because n- normally, I feel like most people don't really care about who the Western Conference player, Eastern Conference player of the week is. Um, it doesn't really get talked about that often. I feel like it just gets lost in press releases, really. But at this point, Carmelo Anthony be- being named Western Conference player of the week for this last week Drew a lot of buzz. Um, his week averages were 22 points, seven rebounds, and helping lead the Blazers to three straight wins. I mean, is this Carmelo Anthony? No, if this is this noteworthy enough for him to have deserved this Player of the Week? Um, I guess stealing it from a guy like Luka Doncic or James Harden. Is this a trick question? <laughs> Is there, is there a debate here? Is there a debate here, Alan? <laughs> I, I would love for you to be on the Carmelo Anthony side of this. Okay. Because I do, have, just, I do have something to say about James Harden. I will say okay, something. Okay, please. Before before I just totally destroy yeah. this man right James now. James Harden only played two games the that week. Carmelo Anthony played three. Guess who else played three? <laughs> Luka Doncic, man. Are you kidding me with this? Carmelo Anthony, player of the week for yep. the entire conference. That's you right. You know how many good players that you overtook to be the player of the week to have Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, James Harden, Rashad Holmes. Luka Doncic. Rashad Holmes. Don't even bring that up. Don't even bring that up to me right now. <laughs> There is it's this is not an award anymore. This is a participation trophy. Yeah. This is a T-ball participation trophy. I didn't see anything as this is a welcome back to the league trophy. <laughs> is this is this what this is supposed to be? Cuz there's no way Carmelo Anthony was the best player in the entire conference and he wasn't even the reason that the Blazers won three straight games. <laughs> Do you know who else came back to the lineup Tell us. in those three games? Damian Lillard! <laughs> Damian Lillard is the reason they won these games. Carmelo Anthony was there, he played well. Just because he plays well doesn't mean that he's the reason that they won. <laughs> Damian Lillard came back and he's the reason that Carmelo Anthony was able to get any space at all. That's true. It's, it is absolutely insane that he got any credit for this. It's like CJ McCollum, even on the same team. Why are you giving him any credit for this? Like, I just don't get it. I can see. It, I can see you've been saving these thoughts all week. It just it makes player of the week 
an award that's not worth caring about at all. Yeah. Like you might as well you print out a piece of eight by eight and a half by eleven piece of paper with a good job on it and say there you go. Like it just means nothing. Like what if there's what if Luka Doncic has in his contract something where it's like if you win. 10 player of the weeks you get an extra bonus and he doesn't get it because he (laughs) lost out on this week to Carmelo freaking Anthony while he's averaging over a 30 point triple double every game like this doesn't make any sense at all it's just like who decides these things like are we really are we really that immature that we have to feel like he needs an award for us to show that he's part of the league again (laughs) I, I I agree with you and I mean this is a good job for not sucking award. Yeah. That's what this is. Good job. You didn't suck for three games. Here you go. Here's an award. This is ridiculous. I mean, yeah, he had a he had notable games. I he played a lot better than I thought he was going to, and I'm sure ninety nine percent of the NBA fan base probably was thought he was gonna go out there and just shoot a bunch of duds. Um but yeah, Which you're he right. did for the first three games he was yeah, part of the yeah, team. He did, he did. Um I mean, he had a great week. Did he deserve Player of the Week? I don't know. I haven't really done a complete breakdown. You don't know? I mean, you don't know. I mean, I was gonna say this. I was gonna say this. I don't know how you know ninety-five of the percent of the league did during that one week specifically. If I were to you know segment out the data, but I do know Luke, Luka Doncic had himself a hell of a week. <laughs> James Harden had himself the last two games. I mean, there's there's a bunch of random names I was we were just talking about before the. Hitting record is Rashawn Holmes had himself a hell of a last <laughs> sequence Don't of games. <laughs> but I mean, that's the point isn't that. I think the point, yeah, you're right. It's like it does kind of feel weird, and especially all the all the interviews and and articles that are now being written as a fact that Carmel Anthony one player of the week kind of gives it a a little bit of a oh, was this just a participation trophy because outside of that nobody ever writes about who player of the week is <laughs> i know dude it's like isn't there any other way you can tell him good job for not sucking yeah than giving him like an actual award uh, like <laughs> yeah but to to look at Doncic's oh. defense he did get player of the week that week before Carmelo Anthony, and he was just named Western Conference Player of the Month for the month of November, which makes so, it even stupider that he didn't win Player of the Week. Yeah, I will. I would say like it seems to me like Luka Doncic should have taken that NBA Player of the Week. And if we look at the you know the the names who have won NBA Player of the Week like last year, it's pretty predictable. Like even if somebody <laughs> didn't know, it's like Giannis, LeBron, Giannis, Giannis, James Harden. Harden. You yep. get a Westbrook every now and then here. Throw Embiid in there. Yep. Exactly. The, so p- the players that are good. Yeah, it's like the guys who are consistently in the top five MVP pl- rankings, but. It, yeah, this will be a weird one, and when we when you look back at this player of the week, unless Carmelo Anthony does end up being an MVP, it <laughs> does end up getting his name into the MVP power rankings, which I highly, obviously, highly doubt. Uh, yeah, you're done. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you're really you're, too much benefit of the doubt, my dude. Too much. Yeah. Benefit of well, the doubt. I think you'll like this question. So, who you know, Carmelo Anthony's got two weeks under his belt now. Who really is Carmelo <laughs> Anthony for the rest of the year? I got two examples for you. Against the Bulls, he went 10 for 20, 4 for 7 from 3, 25 points, 8 rebounds across 30 minutes in a lot in a win against the Chicago Bulls. And in a loss against the Clippers just recently, a couple days ago, he went 2 for 9, 6 rebounds, 9 points across almost the same amount of time, 28 minutes. So let 1 minute, 28 point something, so less than 1 minute, a couple or a couple decimals above a minute difference there. So I I will say that the only consolation I give Carmel Anthony right now he is for the rest of the season a little better 
than what he did with the Clippers okay. against the Clippers. And he is not anywhere near where he was with the Bulls. This is the Chicago Bulls we're talking about. This is a team that in that week they played twice. This is the Chicago Bulls we're talking about. And that's who Carmelo Anthony had a good game against. And you put him up against a good team. This is what he's going to do for you every night. He's going to average two, two and nine, nine points, you know? Mm-hmm. So on the rest of the season, maybe he'll get 12 points a game. You know, Kyle Kuzma style numbers, but he's not going to be a difference maker for this team. The difference of this team is if Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum can take over and be the guys that they need to be. Damian Lillard needs to be a top five MVP candidate, which he's perfectly capable of Mm -hmm. as what I would say right now. He's the best point guard in the NBA because Steph Curry isn't playing. Good point. Okay, I can see that. And he has to play like that. And that's how they're going to win games. Now, we can get into them a little later, too. I want to talk about them a little bit in a, a section we have later in the podcast, but Carmelo is not moving the needle for this team. It was all a ruse. Yeah. He's he's just a okay role player <laughs> that can sometimes create his own shot, but most of the time puts up a mid-range jumper a la Kawhi Leonard that doesn't go in as much. And that's what's interesting in this game against the Clippers is he didn't attempt a single three Versus the Bulls game, he went four for seven. So pretty solid shooting percentage there for from three. Um, but I do think you're on that point. If he were to just reinvent himself and just sit around on the three point line and be that spot up jumper of Vince Carter, I think he could mm-hmm. actually experience some sort of success moving forward in the league. I don't think would he ever cross over twelve points a game. I don't think so. Not anymore. So I think it's a combination of the two that I see here. Um, I would hope that his stat line would be more than just two for nine, maybe a more of like a four for nine with a couple of them drop, <laughs> dropping down from three. Uh, but, you know, we'll see how it is moving forward. But you're definitely right. The, the difference makers on that Blazer team ultimately isn't going to be Carmelo Anthony that's going to take him from 38 winning, 38% winning percentage back up to 52, 54 to a respectable level. It's going to be the play of Damian Leonard. Um, CJ McCollin and more more than anything the return of Nurkic and see if Hassan Whiteside can, can continue yeah. supporting this team and the front court. If Nurkic comes back in yeah. time, I don't know. That's uh, like we, we we haven't heard anything about that. Like he, he hasn't made that type of progress yet. Exactly. This team is really missing an Ed Davis, a uh, Maurice Harkless type characters mm-hmm. that they had on their mm-hmm. off their bench. Al-Faruqo-Minu. Yes, exactly. Those yep. those four, those power forwards are just willing to really grind. Um, grind down and get some rebounds and play some dirty defense because this team is really lacking that right now. Yeah, and Fernie Simons, for as good of a young scorer that he is, he is not a good defender. <laughs> he's he's a skinnier Brandon Ingram, which is somehow possible. <laughs> he's like Brandon Ingram light, and yeah, that that just spells defensive disaster. Yeah, and that's who you're replacing a, a beefy guy like Mo Harkless with. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, 28 minutes seems more more like a likely scenario for Anthony than anything over 30 minutes. Um, so I don't see him putting up a number like that again. No. Yeah. It'll happen every once in a while because he can score. He can certainly score. Mm-hmm. Not against good teams. Though. Yeah. So on the other note, there is Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Let me know if you disagree with this name, Sean. Giannis <laughs> Antetokounmpo. <laughs> I might disagree with the pronunciation, but not the name, not the man himself. <laughs> yes, Giannis is going ultimate. Like Giannis had himself oh, a man. hell of a year, 
and he's having himself an even better so even better year than that he's going 30 points 13 rebounds six assists all 56 percent from the field at this point i mean these are shack almost numbers like 30 points 13 rebounds this is an improvement from 27 points last year and 12 rebounds last year so he's on his way from just even magnifying his MVP season of last year is it sustainable? I say hell yeah. I mean, I see. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this guy is a monster. He's just he's dunking on Julius Randle like he's some point guard. He's he's tearing guys apart. He's he's crossing over an entire team. Like God, this man can't be stopped right now. It, it's really crazy. Just that this guy exists, you know, <laughs> like this guy, like there's such a dominating force in the NBA. Like you said, these are Shaq numbers from mm-hmm. a ball handler. Yeah, like, exactly. That is terrifying. I mean, he's just, he's a force on defense too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that length, that, that strength that he has, he's just, he's just the full package, man. You get everything you want out of a player like Giannis, except for a good free throw shooting, <laughs> um, which I will note. He's 58% on the year. Okay. And he and he's in the top three of free throws attempted uh, on the year too. So there is still he's not the perfect player, mm-hmm. but he's certainly almost there. Yeah, I mean, regardless, he's got the Bucks right there, neck and neck with the Lakers. And I mean, unlike the Lakers, the Eastern Conference, it seems like the Bucks are just destined to win this right now. Somehow the 76ers mm-hmm. are not up there at this point. They still got some things to figure out for whatever reason, but. The Bucs look like a clear favorite to just kind of kill the Eastern Conference regular season and get themselves back into the finals. And this is interesting mm-hmm. because I kind of saw them taking a slight, a slight step back with losing uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, but they've somehow figured... And this is all with, with Chris Middleton being injured as well, losing a couple yeah. games there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven games without Middleton. They won every single one of them, uh, it, which is crazy. This is your second best player on your team. You'd think that would do something to you but I mean, Giannis is just Giannis right like he's he's worth at least two players at this point <laughs> maybe even more uh you guys uh, you have guys like Wesley Matthews and George Hill stepping up for this team also um Dante DiVincenzo getting in there sometimes <laughs> yeah um really a lot of unsung heroes here and Brooke Lopez actually doing decent with some limited minutes um they really don't have any soft spots especially I think it's hard for me to say that can they push it to another level in the playoffs? Still, yeah, and at this point for me, yeah, and that's the interesting point too. And I, I'm not sure like what to, how to look, see this team in the playoffs, other than seeing them the same way that they were last year, where they were just exposed by this, by the by the Toronto Raptors defense, where they kind of slowed down Giannis, and as a result, the rest of the team really suffered. And is that capable of happening again? Possibly, but then again. The Eastern Conference as a whole, I would like to say, is weaker as well. As a whole, I don't know. They, they still have their middling 500 teams towards the end of the playoff spots. But I mean, you look at Boston, Toronto, they're st- they still have great records so far. Right. Philadelphia hasn't been playing as good as we thought they would, but they're still up there. They're still 15-6 and six on the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're still playing well. Um but yeah, of course, after that, it starts dropping off a bit. But I think that's what we've seen in years past, too. Yeah, so we'll see if there's a Giannis stopper in the Eastern Conference. They might, it might have to just come down to that. See, seeing how that um, twin tower experiment that 76ers are doing really help, really runs in the playoffs. So, But at this point, I think the Bucks they're taking over this regular season. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just 
Giannis against a, a under 500 team is just not fair. <laughs> it's like, what are you going to do? Like, he's coming at you full force every night. Too. That, that's what I like about Giannis is that he's so efficient with his minutes, too. It's like, he'll put up 30 and 15 on you in 25 minutes. He doesn't give a crap. Yeah. Like, he's going full bore at you, like, no matter who you are. Exactly. So, moving on from there, let's look at Zion Williamson. So, who, unfortunately, mm. it looks like his return will be pushed back further as as of this Monday. That would be that would be six weeks after his surgery. But now we're looking like it, it's clo- it might be anywhere from nine to ten weeks. Uh, check out mm. this this quote from David Griffin: "If it's nine weeks, that's fine. If it's ten weeks, that's fine. If it's seven weeks, that's fine." But he's in re- he's in a really good space with his rehab. So right now, the Pelicans are looking like they're in no rush to bring him back. And of course. They are, they are at the bottom of the Western Conference standings. Brandon Ingram doing his best to keep that team afloat. Uh, but this team is just struggling with injuries left and right, and it looks like it'd take a miracle to really rehaul their season back. Unfortunately, though, for the NBA right now, <laughs> this franchise has a record of 30 national games scheduled across TNT and ESPN. And with no return of Zion, it looks like he'll at this point he'll miss half of those nationally televised games, which is bad Oof. news when you look at TNT NBA viewership that at th- up to this point is down 23% and ESPN NBA viewership is down 20%. So, Ouch. Sean, is Zion here to blame for the, the loss of viewership here from the NBA as a whole? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Yeah. I didn't know those stats about the NBA viewership being down so much. Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I mean I can't speak to what other factors that that might factor into that, but I mean if <laughs> there's so many Pelicans games, <laughs> like that that is really bad. I can't believe they can't switch to a different game. That's you know? what that's like, what I'm why wondering. can't they just be like, "Hey, sorry, sorry uh, ESPN crew, we're not going to New Orleans tonight. We're going to go to Dallas." Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's like is it really that hard? Like, I don't I don't understand why they can't change it to like the teams that people would actually be more interested in watching, but yeah, I think I think if Zion was playing, the, these numbers would be a, a, at least a bit higher. Yeah. Um I do think there is a Zion effect there. I mean, the hype's been real ever <laughs> since this guy stepped foot in a duke jersey right um i i imagine college basketball ratings are down just as much if not more so right this year um if we were to look at those numbers so yeah i think i think the zion effect is an effect here yeah and i i just kind of feel like some of these knuckleheads in, in the office buildings who scheduled this many national televised games for the pelicans are a little bit of a fools because i don't think they were ever destined to be a great team at this point is the Zion hype real? Yes, it was. The preseason was very impressive seeing him out there on the floor. So it is unfortunate that he's injured. But I am a little kind of um, annoyed, maybe a little bit mad that the national TV focused so much on Zion and the Lakers because I do think like Giannis needs some more national televised games. Luka Doncic could sure use some Doncic. national. Doncic could sure use some national televised games at this point. I mean, the Toronto Raptors are actually playing a hell of a lot better than anybody thought. Yeah, the champs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put the champs on TV. I mean, get some more Clipper games on TV. Like, please. I'm always for that. <laughs> yeah, like, why was it at early season that around the table everybody chose that the Pelican games were the ones to put on TV? Zion. Yeah, and it is Zion. It does come down to Zion, but, I I mean, is the was the hype real? Yes, it was. But at the end of the day, I still feel like he was just – I don't think anybody really saw this Pelicans team go into the playoffs. It's really hard for me to believe that Zion would – 
increase these numbers back up 23 yeah 20% that seems so much Mm -hmm. like I don't maybe maybe he's just that much gravity in the entertainment of the NBA maybe he does but that's the numbers still do concern me overall for the NBA because either it's just poor scheduling on their part or people maybe people are tired of watching the Lakers and the Clippers honestly because we have had a lot of nationally (laughs) televised games so far um, but it it's interesting, and I mean, obviously the Warriors, um, yeah. being nothing, and the Warriors have their fair share of nationally televised games too. I think between the Warriors and the Pelicans, that's who you can place the most blame on mm-hmm. for these viewership numbers being down. Yeah, I think we've yeah up to this point we've seen a handful of Warriors. I mean, I think there was one national televised game where there was no D, D- Russ, no Steph Curry. There was only a Draymond Green, and and you had like. Eric Paschal. Eric Paschal. <laughs> and you had this what's the name of the dude with the freak with the bleached dreadlocks? Like oh, I forgot the Who? name of this guy. On the Warriors? Yeah. He's just I have no idea. But anyways, he was on the team and I was just watching this game and I was like, why is this on national TV? Like this is ridiculous. <laughs> it's um, embarrassing. Yeah, so I think the loss of the Warriors is a big hit. Zion goes down, viewership is down. I honestly want to put some some of this blame on players only, and that, that's obviously a very biased answer because I just cannot <laughs> stand on players TNT, only. <laughs> and I think I like to say that some of that annoyed viewers because it definitely annoyed me. Um, and as well as like we have some bad commentators on the desk from on the TNT and ESPN side. Well, there's some good ones, but. I, I'm getting a little tired Kevin of Mark Harlan Jackson. Kevin is still awesome, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm getting tired of Jeff Van Gundy. I'm getting tired <laughs> of Chris Webber. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you hate Chris <laughs> Webber. Yeah, I, I like to. I would love to. Like, it seems like Chris Webber says things that think that you can't even predict him saying. Like, I love. To, I would love to make a joke out of it, but I just can't even make a joke out of it because I just some of the things I'm just like, why? Why would you say that? <laughs> And I, I am so with you on the Jeff Van Gundy thing. He just says whatever the hell he wants. Right. And they just have to go with it. It's so embarrassing. Like, during a coach's challenge, he's like, "Are you, I don't think they should twirl their hand. I think that's stupid. <laughs> I'm like, shut up, Jeff Van Gundy. Like, no one wants to hear this right now. Exactly. And <laughs> just, He just has a complaint about everything. He's such an old geezer. Right. And I'm getting a little sick and tired of the the comments of the game's just not quite what it used to be back oh, in my yeah. I am so tired of the back in my day <laughs> and we're getting older too we still hate it yes exactly I I'm getting so tired of that and please please keep Kevin McHell away from the commentary table too as well <laughs> he's just as bad but anyways yes. uh, those are my thoughts on why viewership is it down a lot yes it is 20 plus percent is pretty concerning I think and I think the NBA should be thinking about how how to fix how to fix his glaring hole at this point yeah man it, it's rough yeah. tell the warriors to uh get Steph Curry back on the floor a- asap yeah exactly but aside from the bad news so the lakers they're on this roll 10 straight road wins only the fourth time in franchise history they've done this and they match this streak that was last done in in the in the 2000 season back when you had Rick Fox, Shaq, Kobe and they're currently at 19 and 3. However, they have had the sixth easiest schedule and in December they are things are toughening up a little bit for them with 14 teams over 500, but they did just beat the Nuggets and the Utah Jazz, both the Nuggets by 9 and the Utah Jazz by over 20 points. 
So, Sean, are the Lakers the real deal here for this hot start in November, or is it just a product of an easy schedule? Is there any way you can say that they're not the real deal? <laughs> is there any way? There's no way. You, There's no argument you can make right now that would say the Lakers are not a real deal championship contender. I don't care who you're playing against. 19-3 and three is still a great record, and we just brought up they, they beat the Nuggets and the Jazz on their home courts. They've only lost to three teams total. They've lost to the Clippers, who, another championship contender, obviously. They've lost to the Raptors. Mm-hmm. the former champions and they lost to the Mavericks who they've also beaten this year. Mm-hmm. Um, albeit off a Dwight Howard Jersey tug, but we're not going to get into that right, <laughs> right. now. <laughs> um, yeah. So they, they have three quality losses, honestly, like they have not lost to any teams they shouldn't lose to. So I think it's as easy as that. Right. And even that loss against the Clippers first game of the year, whole brand new team, brand new hall, like, it just seems that the Lakers can't beat the Clippers if it's the first game of the year. So I'm, <laughs> At least not in recent years. Yeah, no. So it seems like I almost don't even want to count that game, which, yeah, I mean, whatever. But I, so yeah, I mean, 19 and three, like, you're right. There is, I'm not sure what angle you could paint, but it seems like there are a lot of mumblings and whispers that the Lakers aren't really uh, a real contender as a, because of the easiness of their schedule, which I think is just complete baloney. Complete baloney. We just the last two games they played should be indicative of that. Mm-hmm. I think right? so. I think so, and I think as this as this team who continues chugging along, I think you just look at the bench bench production outside of Davis and LeBron. Danny Green is playing well. Uh, KCP has resurged and found his role on this team. Rajon Rondo surprisingly playing decent as well. Every Bradley is out, but before he was out, he was he was holding himself pretty well in that starting spot. Yeah, and then we were talking about Kyle Kuzma earlier. Um, how we think that he could still possibly have a resurgence mm-hmm. um, come later in the year, obviously, maybe after the All-Star break, but he's only going to get better exactly um, as the season goes on. Yeah, it's unfortunate for him to have gone through this injury because now I, I think essentially he's going to use December and part of January to get himself back in shape. So I think he'll put together a, strong, a string of games that aren't quite to his level. But I was telling you this, Sean, I think I think he's on his way to having a hell of a February and March to close this right, year out. We're, uh, our, our bet is, is 17 points a game in March for you, right? 17 points a game. All right. I'm, I'm sticking with 12. He, he's a 19-point guy, man. Last year, he, he got put up some good numbers, so can he get to that As a level? starter. You're right. You're right. And I still think at least 17 points, I could see Kuzma putting that together to close the year in the March of in the month of I'd say I'd say half of February and and all of March. So <laughs> oh, so you're gonna even extend? The I'm going time to period. extend it. I'm going to extend oh, it. Oh, okay. So it's like a full six weeks of averaging 17 points a game. I think he can do it. Yes, I do. Wow. Yeah, you, you, I thought you were out on a limb with four weeks, but six <laughs> weeks, you're just insane. Yeah. <laughs> well, outside of the Lakers, let's go over two teams who are also on fire: the Milwaukee Bucks, winners of 13 straight and seven without Chris Middleton. I mean, do we need to say more about this team? Giannis going ultimate ultra instinct here on the NBA. <laughs> ultra instinct. <laughs> I mean, 30 points, 13 rebounds, over 50% from the field. Like, enough said, I almost feel. Yeah, enough said. They, they just they made the, they made the hot teams, you know? Right. Like, you're not going to not put a winners of 13 straight in this category. <laughs> yeah, and then you got the Dallas Mavericks, four straight wins, nine of the last 10. Luka Doncic. I mean, really stirring up the table of whether or not he's a top 10 player in the NBA. 
I think after the last two weeks, I would say, is Luka Doncic a top five player in the NBA right now? Oh, 100%. Like, I think he's in the competition for MVP right now. Yeah, I, like, I think so. I know Giannis is playing lights out, but Luka is also playing lights out. I mean, this is a guy averaging a 30-point triple-double nearly. Only 0.6 assists per game off of that mark so far, and he's got plenty of time to make that up for the rest of the season. Uh, fun fact, actually, did you know LeBron James is leading the league in assists? Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. He is. He has 11 a game, and he's actually the only player right now that's averaging double-digit assists. Interesting. I did not it know is. that. Which, yeah. which I mean... Because Luka's number two. Yeah, which I mean, I placed to my point here. It's like, if you look at the top players up to this point right now, you got to go Giannis, James Harden, LeBron... Davis, and then you probably put Luka Doncic right there. I mean, Kawhi Leonard. I would was, even put him ahead of Anthony Davis Anthony right now. Anthony Davis? Yeah, give yeah. or take. Yeah, I mean, I think Kawhi Leonard has found himself outside of that circle given the, some of the games he's missed. Um, but outside of that, I don't really see anybody else you can make a strong case that should be in that circle. Right, and it's just crazy because as an MVP, it's like this guy is the most valuable player in the league because of what he's able to bring to this team that – yeah. If you put in a replacement player, they'd never be able to do. With this Dallas Mavericks team, this is not a good team. <laughs> Chris Epps Porzingis has struggled mightily in his yes, comeback. Yes, I, mean, I was going to bring that. Yes. That's a good bring up. I <laughs> yes, was he's, stunned by his struggle. Yeah, like they, he's seen some flashes from him, right? Like you, you've seen, like he'll have his occasional like twenty and ten game, mm-hmm. but a lot of times he'll he'll go like nine points, five rebounds, bad shooting night. Stuff like that. And you're also talking about guys like Maxi, Kaliba, mm-hmm. Dwight Powell, DeLon Wright. I think that's a name too. Like these are not, this is not a playoff team. There's no, this team has no business where it is right now. And Luka Doncic is just her, he's, he's Hercules right now. Yeah. On, with this team on his back. Like he's, it should be hard for him to pull this team on his back, but he's doing it with ease almost. Right, and I think when we were looking at this division doing the previews, I think we both agreed that the Dallas Mavericks were probably a Tier 3 team, a team that could maybe sneak in there and get the 7 or 8 seed. But now I think they're making a good argument for why they sh- they're they on the fence of being a Tier 2 or Tier 1 team. I think they're right yeah. there on the fence the same way, the same place we had the Utah Jazz at to start the year. I mean, they're just on fire. They're winning games left and right. Luka Doncic is, looks like he's a bona fide top five, top six player in the game right now. Uh, yeah, and I mean, he's carrying Christoph Porzingis and the rest of this <laughs> Dallas Mavericks team. It, it is crazy because going into the season, I thought we we're going to get Christoph back. We we're going to get to, a, I mean, I figured he'd struggle at first, but I thought at this point he'd be back to being a 17 and 10 guy or or at least a, nine, a 19 and 10 guy. He's coming off a whole year out, you right. know, like that's, that's really hard to come back from Gordon Hayward being prime example number one. Yeah, but as a big man right now, he's going 16 and 9 with shooting 39% from the field, a little struggling 70% from the free throw line. Not quite the Chris, the crease thought that you thought you would get um, from, from New York. Yeah. But that's the thing though, is Luca's of giving him the time to mm-hmm. become that player again. They're 15 and six, despite Perzingis not be, he's just being an average player. Right. Exactly. Swap him over with Rashawn Holmes and maybe this Dallas Mavericks oh, team can win some oh, more stop, games. Stop, <laughs> dude. I can't. There's always one player. Fantasy points. Are you kidding me? <laughs> There's always one player I love to troll you about. It, whether it's a Dwayne Bacon or Royce O'Neal <laughs> or Rashawn Holmes. 
yeah, yeah. You're gonna have to take back that Dwayne Bacon uh, prediction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that one did not. Who, pan who out the hell way. is Devonte Graham that stole Dwayne Bacon's yes, role sir. on this team? Who? We got. Yeah, I'm excited. That that's coming up, everyone. That 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 player. <laughs> don't forget that name. What about It'll come up very soon? So going on to the sinking team, let's go to Utah Jazz. Another team. I mean, we just talked about them. We thought they're on the fence of being tier one, tier two. Though I still think they're there. They have lost three straight. That loss to the Lakers, six of the last ten, and Mike Conley is just struggling out oh. there. Yeah, you just keep you're gonna keep trolling me with names here. <laughs> Mike Conley, man, what once who I thought was gonna be a fantasy foundation, a rock, if you will, um, for my team, someone you could rely on. Well, I can rely on him to do absolutely nothing. Um, as can this Jazz team, honestly. I mean, they're probably looking across the way at Ricky Rubio and Phoenix just wondering how this how this transpired this way <laughs> um man 37 percent from the field so far this year 13.9 points a game which is his lowest since 2011 2012 yeah um and only averaging 4.6 assists a game like there's just a whole lot of average <laughs> yeah i agree and i mean i kind of i was like 50 50 on conley i was like so conley could be sort of the version of himself that he was in Memphis last, which would be decent enough for the Utah Jazz, or he mm-hmm. could continue to regress and maybe regress even quicker uh, just because he's now playing on a team that actually has pressure on them, is actually going to need him to go out there and play some hard minutes and be out there on the court as much as possible. And unfortunately, I think Mike Conley's body is just kind of failing him a little <sighs> bit here. Which is, he's only 32 years old. Like, it's not like he's extremely old, you know? Like, yeah. Marcus Gasol's still playing in Toronto. I mean, we can point to a few other older guys, but 32 should not be the age that you just completely disintegrate like this. Exactly. It, it's it's yeah. kind of ridiculous. I mean, I know he's had, he's had some pretty bad injuries in the past, and he is injury prone, and I'm sure that's taken wear and tear on his body, but... I mean, this is a Jazz team that's 12 and 10 right now. Mm-hmm. And granted, it does seem over the last few years that the Jazz are usually a second half of the year type of team. But, man, when we predicted them to be a top three seed uh, going into the year, like, this is not that. You're not going to get it done with the way the Lakers and the Clippers and everyone else is playing right now. Exactly. And there's nothing to point to outside of the, you know, the string of games that Conley has missed. Like, no big injuries to really point to. It was just struggles right off the gate from both Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he's averaging career-high points, 24 points a game, slightly above 23 from last year, but the shooting percentages are still not quite at the efficient rate that you thought they'd be by adding somebody like Conley to the to the mix. Um, right. So, yeah, I think the Utah Jazz can still put it, pull it together in the second half of this year, but... Conley is is concerning I think the way his body is just kind of not being able to be consistent for him Mm -hmm. yeah I will say Bogdanovich has been a pretty good get for them so far right he's been averaging about 22 points a game yeah um giving them a scoring threat outside of Mitchell which is always something they needed right um so that's keeping them afloat a little bit but I mean yeah, this is just not, not the team we were looking for. Right, and on that note, it also doesn't help that Joe Ingles has also seemed to have taken a huge step back, which... Yeah, but I mean, he got knocked <laughs> out of his starting position. He's not really a bench spark. Right. So the Cleveland Cavaliers lost nine of the last ten. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it gets to a point where maybe a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers is just not even noteworthy enough to make it to struggling teams. But still, 
they did pull together some surprisingly good performances to start the year with Kevin Love um, and Colin Sexton and CeeDee Osmond. But now it seems like they're coming back. Back to where they belong. Back to where they probably should be and where I think they need to start looking at where to move Kevin Love next. Yep. Give him to Portland, man. Just give him to Portland. Portland needs this. I do not want Portland to fall out of playoff contention like this. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, Yeah, but I mean, as as far as Cleveland goes, like, it's like obviously they suck. So putting them on this list is kind of like a obviously, but they did start the year four and six, and Basketball Breakdown even made a positive video about them <laughs> in the midst of that run. I was like, wait, is this like a, a satire video? Like, no, he was actually pointing out good things about the Cleveland Cavaliers, which I'm sure he's regretting now. Yeah. Because there's not a lot to love about this team. I mean, if you could just keep. You know, you keep Kevin Love healthy. Tristan Thompson plays at exceptional level. Like, maybe there's something there. But at the end of the day, those are, I think, a couple things that are just a little too much to ask for for a roster that's kind of just feels like it's just getting thrown together in an effort to get itself ready to rebuild. Shouldn't have drafted Garland. Garland has been not been Mm-mm. good. Like, they, yeah, they must be regretting that. They'll probably end up drafting another point guard next year, though, so... Yeah. yeah, I don't think they're gonna learn their lesson. Yeah, so let's they're go draft Lamelo Ball. Oh, there's a name. There's a name. There's a name. <laughs> <laughs> How about best surprises as we reach close as we're at the quarter mark of the season? And one of them is the name we just mentioned, Devonte Graham, averaging Devontae eighteen points, three point five rebounds, and seven assists, stealing the total thunder that I thought was gonna go to my man Devonte Bacon. I mean, Dwayne Dwayne Bacon. Dwayne Bacon. <laughs> Look at that! I even forgot his name. yeah well i don't blame you for that but man i don't even know what to say about this guy (laughs) devonta graham has come out of nowhere i mean he was drafted out of kansas in the second round last year um in the third with the 34th pick of the draft he came off the bench for them in like half their games last year averaged like four points whatever i don't think anyone could have seen this coming from a guy coming into his second year when you really didn't see much game time from him in the year before like this like he has a complete stranglehold on most improved player mm-hmm. because these averages are like legit like upper tier point guard averages from a guy that really did nothing last year yeah and his efficiency is just as good as anybody's as well um and i mean i think you know who would know who would have probably seen this coming People who spend Scott, well maybe (laughs) yeah, because Kansas fan, yeah, exactly, he's a Kansas fan. But somebody who watches G League games, and that's a noteworthy thing about this guy is he he's in in a way another not quite Pascal Siakam, but almost at that same line where he's just a G Leaguer who really developed his game in the G League, and then when it came time to come to the NBA, he was ready to take uh, that role and make the most out of that opportunity. And I hope that's a growing trend, honestly, because I think there is a lot mm. of diamonds in the rough or just a lot of quality players in the G League that could end up being a Devontae Graham or uh, Pascal Siakam or yeah. uh, who's that other dude? Cruz Boucher. Or Bru- oh, yeah, Boucher, Boucher on the Raptors. Yeah, yeah. Boucher put through, through together a string of great games as well. Right. Yeah, man. It's just, yeah, I, I, I'm i blown away. Like, whenever <laughs> I see this guy's stat line, I'm like, who is this guy? Solid like, as a rock he's as well. So, yeah, solid as a rock. So consistent throughout the year, man. And I mean, this Hornets team, while their record doesn't really say much for them right now, they're nine and fourteen. 
they started the year pretty decently. The team itself is just not very strong, but the future looks really good when you have a second-year player just out of nowhere going to start leading this team, probably get into the All-Star game if he's on this trajectory. We'll see about that. Maybe not this year, but like his trajectory is like... You don't go from just nothing to 18 and 7. Yeah. And then, you like, I don't think this is even his ceiling. I think he can keep going. Right. It seems, yeah, that's to be seen as well. Like, we're only a quarter way through the season. Like, could he still continue improving? I don't see why not. And I bet, yeah. the, bet the Charlotte Hornets right now are looking at that Terry Rozier contract, and it's like, can we get a refund on that and give it to Devontae <laughs> Graham instead? No, right? <laughs> this guy's going to get... Pretty close to a max deal in a few years if he keeps this up. Right. Pascal Siakam, though, another surprise. Gosh. Especially for you, Sean. You were doubting the Pascal Siakam storyline of him making a big jump and leading this Toronto Raptors team. I know. I, I really feel awful about that, I got to say. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's one of those things where your instinct just lets you down sometimes. Yeah. It's like my instinct. I Like, nothing he did himself like from his game should say like that he wasn't going to improve it was just me being like i don't know if his game translates to being the guy right um and we even had kyle lowry come out uh with his quote early in the season being like if i'm a superstar free agent in a few years i'm looking at having pascal siakam as my second guy on my team (laughs) but pascal siakam said screw you sean screw you kyle lowry I am the guy. I yeah. can lead a team to a championship, man. And this, I mean, if anyone's going to actually upstage Devontae Graham for most improved player, it's going to be the reigning most improved player, <laughs> Pascal Siakam, man. This is insane. 25 points a game. Yeah. 25 points a game. 8.6 rebounds, 3.9 assists, a 15 and 5 start for this Raptors team that lost two starters. One of them being a pretty important guy, um, if I do say so myself. Yeah. And, man, it, it's crazy to see, like, it, what is the limit for this man? <laughs> what is the limit, Alan? I don't, I, I don't know anymore. I honestly, I'm, I'm fully on the Pascal Siakam bag, bandwagon. No, I mean, you put top, is he a top five MVP candidate right now? I mean, off the names that we were just talking about, I think he he's kind of falling short of that list. I think Luka Doncic's still having a better season at this point. However, he's totally top ten, which is something we we weren't even sure he really was. Uh, yeah, we being were... drafted in fantasy leagues in the first round. Yeah. It's like, no way. But, yeah. No, he, <laughs> he, he is done top it. 10. Yeah, he is top 10. He, I mean, he's that sixth or seventh player looking outside of that circle. But I think he's making his way in. Next year, he's totally in, I think. And the next coming years, I don't see why Pascal Siakam can't be a top five MVP for, for a good number of years moving forward. Once some of these older guys fall off, i.e. LeBron James, I think Pascal Siakam could slide right back in there, slide into that spot and be part of that top five MVP candidate conversation. Though, I will say this on the most improved player, I don't think that award was designed to be given to the same guy back to back here <laughs> the same way. The- but have we ever <laughs> seen improvement like this? Like, that's it's unprecedented. That's a, and that's the odd thing about here is if he keeps this going, it's going to it's gonna totally just change the, the nature of that award because unlike the MVP, I think the MVP is, could easily be given to somebody back to back years, but most improved, I feel like that's not something you should be doing. It's. I don't know. I would. Would you be upset with it? I wouldn't be. Honestly, I'd be like, yeah, Pascal deserves this. Right. If he if he averages thirty two points a game next year, I'm gonna say he deserves it again. That like, would be crazy. 
Like yeah. it's just you don't see this like linear trajectory over the course of years. You don't go from nine points to seventeen points to twenty five points. Like that doesn't happen. Yeah, and you're right. It doesn't. I mean, that's kind of like the Giannis trajectory in a way. Um, and obviously he got MB most improved right. to yeah. MVP. So I mean, is that the tra- trajectory Siakam is under? Possibly. But Possibly. I mean, we have to see where Devonte Graham is and everybody else that's in the running for this award. Because I just I don't feel good about giving it to the same guy. But that's just me. I feel like this award was. I mean, it just seems very very odd to me to give it to the same dude back to back years. Uh, Lou Williams won six man of the year two two years in a row. That's like the same thing, right? See, that's the thing. I don't see the MVP and the sixth man of the year and all these other awards on the, the same as the most improved. I mean, I it would just depend not. on the degree <laughs> of improvement and the relative degree of improvement to the rest of the pool. I mean, so far it's him and Devontae Graham. I'll say yeah. that. I mean, Devontae Graham looks like he went from like three points a game to 18. <laughs> right, yeah, which obviously is more than Pascal, but... I mean, when we're getting up to like 25 points a game from where he was at last year and becoming the the second guy for, by a large margin to Kawhi Leonard to being the number one and possibly as good as Kawhi Leonard is playing for the Clippers because, I mean, he's really not playing that well for the Clippers right now. Um, he might be hurt. Yeah. I don't know. That's a different topic. Right. But, I mean, he's playing at a level that he's going to look to match Kawhi in a few years if he keeps this up. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. It's going to be crazy when you look back and if Pascal gets to that level, you'd be like, wow, there was actually two top five guys on the same team or like yep. just in different parts of their career. Which makes sense that they won a championship together, I guess. Yeah, yeah, true. Exactly. When you look at it that way, maybe it won't seem quite as surprising as it did at that <laughs> time. But right. moving on from there, let's go to the Celtics. I mean, this they deserve a call out right here because it's. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, they put together some good games. Then they lost a couple. I was like, okay, this is kind of who the Celtics are. But they're still going 15-5 and five record to start right now. Kemba Walker. It's just looking it's looking like a seamless addition to to this Boston Celtic team. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are just like business as usual where they left off back in the 20, 2017 year before or twenty eight yeah, twenty seventeen season. Yeah. With that run they had there. And their tandem and their chemistry, everything for the Celtic team just looks great. Um and this is all despite losing Gordon Hayward uh to that to his broken hand the right. last couple of weeks. Yeah, and then Jalen Brown's just stepped up. Marcus Smart stepped up, and Kemba Walker's obviously playing great basketball. Even after headbutting his own teammate and giving right. himself a concussion, he comes yeah. back and scores thirty nine points on the Nets. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, it it's very interesting because um, in the beginning of the season, I remember I was very skeptical about the Celtics being successful because Al Horford being right. gone was the big thing for me. I was like, I don't think you can replace a guy like that with someone like Ennis Cantor, who's even been out for extended periods of time, but they've been able to make it work um, on the big man side, just with guys like Daniel Tice, yeah, Daniel um, Tice. Robert Williams for 10, 15 minutes a game. Uh, Wanamaker, like just this ragtag group of guys and Marcus smart actually guarding bigs. Yeah. Um, which is actually worked out for them. Um, mm-hmm. This guy is is being Patrick Beverly 2.0, uh, just being that scrappy short guy that's able to guard all five positions on the court. And that's really made up for the fact that they don't really have a dominant big man on either side of the floor. They just they have their wing players. They have Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart. 
and it's been working wonders for them so far, even with the injuries that they've had. And Jason Tatum uh, actually able to carve out his role for himself as a, as a closer, mm-hmm. um, as, as an elite scorer. Um, yeah, Kemba Walker making that huge difference in chemistry. Right. It's surprising to see those three scoring type players out there on the court and just making it work. Jalen Brown putting together 20 plus point performances. Uh, more, more. I want to say consistently, but there's been some misses here and there. But really more than often than not, he's going over 20. Jason Tatum, same thing. Kemba Walker, same thing. These guys just taking turns lighting it up and Marcus Smart finding his three-point shot again uh finding a new three-point shot knocking down some good uh long distance shots for this team I'm really surprised like the ragtag group that they've been throwing at power forward and center has been surprising and I think I think they need to figure out a way to go get a Steven Adams or just some hmm. guy out there to kind of just legitimize the run that they're going on right now. Uh, You don't don't think that they can just roll with what they've got? I mean, they're doing pretty well so far. I think they're doing well, but I mean, if they want to make a run for the Eastern Conference Finals and really make a good push against the 76ers or the Bucks, they need a little something else. I think right now they're still... I mean, this regular season and this run is very impressive, but I don't see them getting out of the second round. Hmm. Not without some... It's going to be hard for them to want to make a move, though, if they are playing as well as they are, you know? True. That's why... Like if, yeah, if they're only two games behind and everything. Right, but that's why I think you go after somebody like a Steven Adams, just a tough guy who can help you get some boards and play some hard defense, but not necessarily disrupt what you already have going on on the offensive end. Yeah, like an Aaron Baines type. Exactly. Type of player, just toughness. Yes. I could see that. A strong man center. I'm sure, I'm sure Steven Adams would like to get out of OKC. <laughs> exactly. I would love to see a trade like that. I mean, Kevin Love would also be nice, but I don't know if they can make I, a Kevin I'd, Love. I know I'd more prefer a banger like Adams. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it fits more into what they got going down over there. Yeah, no. But yeah, I mean, we, we maybe could be on the verge of seeing Lakers Celtics glory days. Wow. Back back here in 2020. Yeah, that would be interesting because you would have really a difference of two teams. You'd have a team of youngsters and a really ball sharing versus a team that's just dominated by two guys and a yeah. bunch of shooters. <laughs> so you couldn't get more polarizing than that. That'd so, be fun. But that would make a very fun NBA Finals. I mean, the Celtics obviously pride themselves in really hard defense against a team that prides it's basically prides itself on its offensive two-man combo. Right. And, I mean, Lakers have great defense themselves. Yeah, that's true. You don't get that. You don't get as good as they are right now without good defense. Um, mm-hmm. Let's go to the most disappointing part. This, these are kind of always funs, but let's go to Kyrie <laughs> Irving, man, because this guy... Oh, what what a guy, man. What a guy. Uh, Just like so so basically the definition of somebody who does more than they really need to, both um literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> like some, I know. sometimes on the basketball court, it seems like he does play by that motto. And then outside of the basketball court on social media and just answers and interviews. The same thing. He just says more than he really needs to or <laughs> thinks about it more than he really needs to. I mean, I'm sure you read that big post he, that got shared around. I uh, didn't read it, but I heard about it. Yes, it was. It seemed like it was unnecessary to read, but it was basically like sentence after sentence of calling people out for 
you know being played by the media or whatever it was also just utter nonsense too. yes it just seems like something that could have been covered in one sentence but he obviously wrote a whole paragraph about it but nonetheless Kyrie <laughs> Irving is still a great player I think um he did come out firing but the Nets now have found themselves doing a little bit better with him off the court <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting yeah. right because yeah. I mean, this is a guy Kyrie Irving like oh we brought in a superstar player and he's playing to a superstar level as far as his numbers go, at least. I mean, 28.5 points a game, 5.4 rebounds, 7.2 assists in the 11 games he played before he sustained that shoulder injury. Right. But what was their record? 4-7. and seven. Yeah. They were only 4-7 and seven with Kyrie averaging those numbers. The rest of the team, for the most part, healthy, outside of, obviously, Kevin Durant. But, I mean, Carice Levert was there for that. Now Carice Levert is injured. And you have Spencer Dinwiddie just running the show. And I know you hate to hear that, on, but <laughs> he is balling out as the team's number one. And they're eight and four. Yeah. And or no, eight and no, seven and three. Sorry, seven and three with an 11 and 10 record right now. Seven and three with Spencer Dinwiddie as the team leader versus Kyrie. Yeah. And that what does that say to you? I mean, I was going to say add to that, that it seemed like the Nets were so close to being as the Nets, the team as a whole being the most disappointing part through this quarter of the season. But now they've somehow managed to get themselves out of that and only leave Kyrie Irving in this category because <laughs> it is surprising to see how this team has strung it together and won some tough games the last the last week and a half without Kyrie. And with Kyrie on the floor, they the games that they won, some of them went to double overtime. Like some of these, right. they, they found themselves in a couple overtime games just because of how close they are. Um, and Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, is a great player. And his numbers were just terrible with Kyrie on the floor. And now that he's mm-hmm. off, he, I think he's back to being who he is, which is a great a great guy to lean on. And as a whole, I think they do have a good young team. What's happening when Kyrie's on the floor? I'm not really sure, but it's something that they definitely need to figure out. Because, I mean, you just can't have someone like Kyrie be, be as simple as a detriment to your team. You got to make it work. It's just, it's crazy how the trend's just continuing to be in effect, you know? It's like the Celtics were great without him. Yeah. And then he comes back and they suck. And then they trade him away and they're great without him. And then the Nets suck with him. And then they're great without him. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just, at what point does it stop becoming a coincidence? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, Kyrie is just a poison to whatever organization he plays for. Yeah. And I think it's easy to say that, especially his, I mean, his answers and his personality don't help him out a lot. I mean, if I was his agent or some PR guy, I'd tell him, dude, just don't stop giving interviews or like, just give him a script and just stay to the script. And you know, he's too proud. dude. He can't stay away. He can't, he's got like kind of that Kevin Durant syndrome where it's like, he just says more than he really needs to. Um, yeah, next year is going to be fun then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, outside of that, that just doesn't help his cause. But I will say, like, I think it's hard to call him a poison given that four and seven record. Yes, but it's an 11 game sample size. I still want to say that's too small to really say anything. Also, considering it was at the start of the year. Um, so, I mean, I would love for him to come back and then judge and see how this Nets team continues performing after he comes back. Um, and we'll see. Then we can do a better comparison of of what Kyrie Irving's effect is. But ultimately I got to think a player like you had a player like that to your team. It's got to be a positive. I'm starting to lose faith. Yeah. We'll give him, we'll give him a little bit more. We'll have to see when he comes back from that shoulder injury. If, if he can 
actually win some games with this team. Yeah. So we got a couple more here. We got Laurie Market and career lows to the oh, seat. Start sorry, the year. <laughs> Another guy who, I mean, I was like totally on this dude's uh, team right here. His banner. Right? I thought this guy was ready to make a huge jump and be like an 18 and 10 machine, 19 and 10 machine. But he's averaging 13.7 rebounds, 35% shooting from the field. 29% from three on a Chicago Bulls team that isn't really finding their mark and are really struggling right now to climb the Eastern Conference standings. Yeah, this is a team where it's like you had a lot of young potential, you know, kind of like the Hawks. Mm-hmm. Where, I mean, obviously John Collins being suspended hurts them a lot. Yeah. But with the Bulls, it's like you have all your guys there. I mean, Zach Levine should improve. Laurie Markkinen should improve. Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter. Yeah. They have pieces to be a 500 team in the East, but I mean, just none of them really have made that jump. None of them at all. And yeah. they're just, they're sitting where they were last year. You know, they just, they haven't really made any improvement. It's yeah. really sad to see. Yeah. And then you add a Thaddeus Young as well to your roster. I mean, just another solid role player to come off the bench and help you out. But this team has just been struggling I mean, granted, they're only like tenth in the Eastern, or yeah, tenth in the Eastern yeah, tenth, Conference, yeah. just given how how much that gap is between the Orlando Magic and the ninth seed. But still, like, I was really expecting a little bit more from Larry Markin and the other young Bulls. I mean, Zach Levine and Wendell Carter Jr. are holding their own, not quite making the jumps, but Larry Markin and notably just career lows across the board. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got to be dealing with some sort of injury or. I'm going to put the blame on their coaching staff. God, that Chicago mm-hmm. Bulls coaching staff just seems like they don't they just don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I know there was uh some contention with Boylan last year yeah. where he was like working them uh like uh, like a hard practice the day after like an overtime game <laughs> or something. I can't I can't remember exactly what happened, but everyone's like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. Like <laughs> these guys need rest. Right. Uh, so questionable coaching there for sure. Yeah, exactly. And then another notable team here is the Portland Trailblazers just as a whole. I think even last podcast we talked about, you know, is there a team that needs to throw on the panic switch? And we were like, no, across the board, except for these guys. The mm. Portland Trailblazers needed to throw the panic. And they did, like you could say, by bringing they did in, hit the panic yeah, button. By yes. bringing in Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> you could call that move desperation. Is it enough to fix it? I don't know. We'll see. But as a whole, they got to be a big disappointing team coming out of the Western Conference. A 9-13 and record. I mean, we know that the race, the playoff race was going to be tough, but it hasn't really been as tough as I thought it was going to be. And for them to not be there uh, is disappointing. 9-13. and Yikes. Right. Yeah, it's like the Spurs and the Warriors have opened the door for a lot of teams to come in. I mean, you're seeing teams like the Timberwolves and the Suns taking advantage. And Portland is just on the outside looking in right now, which they this, this team should never be on the outside looking in with the type of star talent they have. Exactly. Uh, between those two guys. And it, it the question comes up every year, are Lillard and McCollum the duo you want to stick with? And that the answer's always been yes. Like, they've never wanted to shy away from these guys. They're, like, fully believe in them. But it's like every year this happens, and you're like, the Blazers just don't seem like that enough. They made the conference finals last year, which was amazing. <laughs> But you're missing guys like Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu, like we talked about before. It's like you you miss those are huge gaps at very important positions. Yeah, uh, you just can't fill them with two small guards. Exactly, and the Zach Collins as well, who went down earlier this year. And you hope that Nurkic comes back sooner. 
And I mean, I guess that the good news is on the other side of that is CJ McCollin is still holding his trade value pretty well. So if they do decide <laughs> yeah. to break up the core, there's you, I think it can still bring back something of high value from him. However, I still would like to think that the Damian Leonard, CJ McCollin, and Nurkic core alongside a Hassan Whiteside or something great that you can get from Has- for Hassan Whiteside, I think is enough yeah. to make a strong run. But that that thinking is getting further and further away. The more the the more the Lakers continue to improve, and the more the Clippers continue to improve, and if the Warriors are back to where they were, um, right? Exactly. That's a scary prospect to think that the Warriors are going to get the number one overall pick in the draft this year. Exactly. That's oh <laughs> uh, yikes. And, That's and then, terrifying. Yeah. I mean, unless they like wasted on Lamella Ball, and he ends up being the big bust. <laughs> That would be hilarious, yeah. but uh, yeah, dude, the Blazers have to focus on making the playoffs at this point. They can't even think about contending mm-hmm. at this point. Like they're the Phoenix Suns are ahead of them <laughs> in the freaking standings. What kind of world is this? Strongman Aaron Baines, man. Strongman Aaron Baines. <laughs> Dem- I mean, obviously Devin Booker and those guys, but another yeah. disappointing one, and I added this one just because it, it is a little disappointing to me again. Another guy that I put my chips into, Joe Kick, MVP mm. candidacy. Far away. You couldn't be far away. away. He is not anywhere near the top five, top 10, top top 15. (laughs) Oh, man. Maybe top 30 at this point. He's not even top five at centers, I would say, with the string of performances he's put. And here's the quote just to summarize it. I never thought, or I think he meant to say, I never think I'm struggling. But he said, I never thought I'm struggling, but I'm struggling right now. And he said this after the Laker game. He's averaging career lows across the board, 15 points, 10 rebounds, 42% from three, even career lows in free throw shooting at 77%, three percentages points away from most years at 80. So Jokic is struggling, shooting 22% from the from three as well. Last year and the years before that, he was consistently a 35, 36% shooter. Everything, nothing is falling for this guy. Um, and he, is there still hope you think, Sean, that he can pull this together? He's got to slim down. <laughs> That's all I got to say. He looks fat. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just say it. He looks out of shape. He looks out of sorts. He needs to get in the gym. Yeah, he kind of looks like... He needs to slim down. He kind of looks like he's in panic mode at times when he gets beat off the dribble or he's just trying to find his defensive assignment. He's moving across the floor. Yeah, he just looks exhausted. He looks like like to the point yeah. when you're playing a game and you're just exhausted and you can't really think because there's just not enough oxygen going towards your body, let alone your brain. Yeah, that Denver air is just not serving him well after all these years. Yeah, I'm still optimistic they can figure it out, notably because my fantasy team depends on it. It needs it. <laughs> yeah. It, it is weird. It's just really weird because this is a huge regression for this guy that was ascending in the NBA. It's like... You watch him play, you're like, wow, it just comes so easy to him, mm-hmm. you know? Like, he can just he can do way more than you'd ever expect him to as a big man. But I think it's all starting to catch up to him, I think. With every year you get older, even when you're as young as Jokic. How old is Jokic now? Is he 25? Yeah, I think he's 25, 24, 25. It's like even, like, even when you get to 25, 26 years old, your body starts to need more from <laughs> you than what you're giving it, you know? He's 24 right now. Still, it still applies. Any year after 22, honestly, in my opinion, like you need to take care of yourself because yeah. other otherwise, like things just aren't going to come as naturally as they used to. I think for 
for Jokic especially, it might be happening earlier than others. Yeah, those Russian genes are failing him right now. Or maybe not. I don't think he's Russian. Think Eastern it's just European. His, it's Serbian. Yeah. But he just he just it's it's just him, you know? Mm-hmm. He just needs he needs to work out more. <laughs> I <laughs> he think he's slimmed down. Yeah, I hope he's I, not stress eating after all these struggles. Yeah. I think a lot of you've got to point be able to point the finger, I think, a little bit to the amount of summer basketball he played. I mean, carry that Serbian team. Um Maybe he's just not meant to be playing this much basketball through the course of Maybe. a year. Like that sh- yeah. that short break after playoffs. I mean, he played some hard playoff games, then bouncing yeah. to the summer basketball, and then bouncing into the regular season. So mm-hmm. It looks like he just needed a longer break. Yeah, maybe. Uh, well, he's not going to get it at this rate. I mean, right. unless they start load managing him. Yeah, and then to close the podcast off here, I wrote, is this Western Conference as mighty as we once thought it was, Sean? We're looking at the 78th seed right now, the Timberwolves at 500 and the Suns two games under 500, both holding the 7 and 8 seed pretty strongly with the Spurs and Blazers outside looking in um, with 40% win percentages and the Blazers are actually under 40% at this point. I mean, you got OKC in there, the Kings, it's, the Grizzlies are awful, Pelicans awful, Warriors beyond awful right now. I mean, in fact, the Western Conference team. Yeah, in fact, the Western Conference is home to the worst team in the league, being the Warriors. I mean, as the Western, is it is it is it correct to say that the Western Conference just isn't quite what it used to be anymore? Man, ah, uh, that's hard because the top teams are still just stupid good <laughs> you know lakers and clippers just stupid good right I, I think there's a lot of teams that are underperforming right now i mean the warriors are i mean it, this is a fluke year for mm-hmm. the warriors we obviously know that they have the personnel that's going to be a championship contender next year um so we're just writing them off for one year they're all taking a year vacation from their championship runs right uh but yeah the spurs i mean that's a team we could have put in the most disappointing also uh, they started off the year pretty decent, and they've lost a ton lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, so I gotta say, yeah, I think I think the Western and the Eastern Conference right now are as even as they have been. Yeah, I think it's as close as it's ever been at this point. But yes, I I do th- I do think like when you're looking at the top top three, Lakers, Clippers, maybe Nuggets, Rockets, Rockets. Have some talent. Mavericks are surprisingly locked. I think Utah should be a lot better than they are. Should be a little bit better. But when you look at everything else as a whole, I think that gap is getting a little closer as we see these teams falling off. Spurs, Blazers, um, obviously the Warriors. Kings aren't quite as good as we thought they'd be. OKC, bad. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the Eastern Conference right now has more over 500 teams than the West does. Brooklyn in 7th in the East with 11 and 10. And in 7th place in the West, you have... The Timberwolves at ten and ten, you know, and you could argue that's pretty close. But like, at in fifth, you have the Heat at fifteen and six. Like, and the Heat are another great surprise. Yeah. Um, here at the start of the season with Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Harrow, Jimmy Butler, fifteen and six. Um, that that's fifth in the East right now, and that's much better than what we're seeing in the West. Yeah. So I think when we talk about parity. Here it is. This is it. Quarter way through the season, mm-hmm. so. We'll see how the rest of this year goes, but it looks like when we said that the NBA was going to be wide open, it's not quite as wide open now now that it's slimmed down to a couple contenders, but it's still a lot larger than any other years we've seen in the past. 
Yeah, and there's some fun teams in there. And uh, I'm having a good time watching basketball this year. I, I don't know. I guess 20% of people aren't having as much fun <laughs> as we are, but I, I'm still having a great time. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget to check us out week in and week out here on the NBA Second Stringers NBA podcast. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everyone.